0: Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you
1: enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. All
2: right. Hey, if you could begin to find your seats. And as more people return from the kids' room, we will um, have them join us as they do. But uh, my name is Ryan Anderson. Hi. And I get, I get the honor and the privilege of wrapping up our Out of Egypt series. Um, and as we, were, as we were worshiping, and even as Peyton was talking, God just kind of was like, he, he reminded me of something that, in a way, we're going to be talking about today. But he reminded me that we, we are worshipers. We are made to be worshipers. That's how God created us, to be worshipers. And the question, I think, is what are we worshiping? Um, but just I I want to remind you that your identity is a worshiper. Uh, way before worshiping was your activity, it was your identity. And so today we're going to do something a little different. Mike and Isaac did a great job the last couple weeks of this series. Um, again, if you haven't been here, a reminder, the, the series is called Out of Egypt, and we're talking about walking in the freedom that God has given us. And again, in the Old Testament, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt and for generation and generation until uh, God rescued them. And so today we're going to do something a little different. Um, We're going to hear some stories about some people who have been in Egypt, metaphorically speaking, and have uh, been rescued by God. And so I get the honor and the privilege of welcoming up some people to fill these chairs, some very dear friends of mine, people I love. Dennis Carl, come on up. Dennis. Linda Still, come on up. Dalton White and Sarah Skolaski, give them a round of applause. And so how this is going to work, it's going to be a little different. I'm not going to really be preaching at all. They're going to be sharing their story, the story of where they were in Egypt in, in bondage and how God rescued them from that. And so I get the simple job of just kind of uh, asking them a question and then them doing the preaching for us today. And so... Um, I guess we can jump into this if, if we're ready, but the uh, first question I want to ask you all, <laughs> can we wait a couple minutes? Dennis Dennis is not ready. Um, first of all, I, I'm grateful for you guys. You, this is not an easy thing to do to be vulnerable in front in front of a bunch of um, people about time in Egypt and things like that. So I'm just grateful for your boldness to do this, but, uh, my first question is just this, tell me about your time in Egypt. Okay, church,
0: um, yep, first time on stage. (laughs) You guys, you guys really show up, I mean. (laughs) Okay, so, as Ryan said, my name's Dennis, and, uh, many of you might not know me, but I've been coming to this church for about a year, um. I really started pushing on my faith, coming to church, getting back into my faith a year ago, around today. Um, So my time in Egypt, I grew up Catholic. And uh, when I was about 14 years old, I had a priest I really looked up to. And uh, he got in trouble for some moral issues. Um, He was taken out of my life pretty abruptly. Suddenly I I let that kind of it pushed my faith to the to the back. I, I started to put things in front of my faith and being 14, going into high school or whatever it was, um, I was very I was I was put into a lot of social environments where I I had a lot of emptiness and instead of filling that with Christ or with God I filled it with a lot of partying, I had a lot of depression undiagnosed that i I got into a lot of anxiety, and i I, I let those problems be fixed, not in the best ways um, i I experience i mean I went through a lot of partying all throughout high school. I let faith I let my faith go behind me and um i so after high school, I got a job. I went straight into working. They, they moved me to Missouri. Um, I was out in Missouri by myself, still dealing with the same problems, with the depression, with, with the anxiety, with the partying, whatever else. Um, I still, I, at this time, I used, I coped with being alone the only way I really knew how, and that was through my drinking. I drank a lot throughout this time. I, I I, coped with it in a lot of different bad ways. Um, I missed a lot and I feel like I pushed a lot of relationships away that I had that I wasn't putting God first in. I, I pushed a lot of people away. I wasn't there for a lot of different things. Um, I really had if I had to explain it, it was really a lack of hope. I had a lack of hope, I was away from my family, working, drinking, trying to cope, doing, yeah, so.
2: Thanks, Dennis. Lynn, <clears throat> tell me about your time in Egypt.
3: Well, when I sat down to write this, it was about the restoration of my first marriage and my first husband's salvation. But the more I wrote, the more it became about my restoration to the Holy Spirit and how he became real to me like God. You see, I've been in Egypt many times. I kind of like it there, I think, sometimes. (laughs) Or maybe I'm just a silly Israelite and don't know how to get out for sure. I've been healed of MS. I've been healed... I've I've had to... I've had two strokes, and I walk today not as a woman who's had two strokes. I've been healed of diabetes, and it's all because of God. But I've also had two failed marriages, and I carry those very heavily, and they scarred me. And I needed to be restored, because I don't believe in divorce. But yet, I failed. And so many marriages today are in trouble or have failed. And it weighed on me. And it bothered me so much. And I couldn't get over it. And it hurt me. And I didn't know the Holy Spirit. I knew Christ. And I had a relationship with him. But I needed the Holy Spirit. And my first husband wasn't saved. And I took a lot of ridicule from him because I was saved. And our marriage had suffered. And I came out of that marriage broken, with a reduced self-image. And I had lost a best friend. But God had other plans for me, even after the second failure he wanted to fill that empty place with his son and show me that there was more to life and somehow the hate receded and forgiveness came in true forgiveness on both parts so much forgiveness that my first husband came to work for me at the mission mart (laughs) management thought that was a real cruel joke to prey on me and it but we got along And he was a good worker. And I ended up showing him Christ's love and compassion. And I took him to hospital visits. I took him to his surgeries. I took him to the wound clinic. And our relationship healed. And then came the day that he went to the ER. And the doctors had a diagnosis for him, and that was when I went into Egypt.
2: Thanks, Lynn. Dalton, tell me about your time in Egypt.
1: Okay. Um, My time in Egypt started when I was younger. Um, I've been in the church my entire life. My parents loved Jesus. Um, But I was more of like check the box off on Sundays and Wednesdays going to Awanas or um, youth group, whatever, Um, but it really started when my parents got divorced, uh, when I was five, six years old, um, and I carried that, that their divorce on my life for a good five, six years thinking that it was my fault. Um, and within that five or six years, I, um, not only thought that it was my fault, that I got my parents divorced, but also was um, just kind of verbally bullied. Um, You know, there's things said, and I started to believe it, Um, a lot of of nasty things, and I started to believe it all. Um, And (laughs) that led to, um, when I was about eight or nine, um, wanting to take my life, Um, suicidal thoughts And then this fear crept in um, that I had no control over. And at that point, 10 or 11, um, is when I was introduced to pornography. And uh, I realize it now, (laughs) but pornography is just a lie. There's this burden that I, I carried for so long, and it was so hurtful and so deep that i looked to um this this false reality and um and i just ran with it cuz it was the only thing that that could you know cure me at the time um so my time in egypt was is just this this life of of trying to trying to get over these hurdles and then added on to it is this life of pain um, in pornography, so.
2: Thanks. Sarah, tell me about your time in Egypt.
4: Okay. So my time in Egypt started when I was 32. Um, I had two daughters, uh, three and five at the time, and married. And I would say at the time... Uh, we, I would say we were casual Christians. You know, we were going to church, not super involved, but basically like checked the boxes off, kind of similar to what you said, because uh, we had kids and we wanted to raise them in a positive environment. So we were going to church, and um, I had my master's degree in education, just kind of at the at the height of my career. Um, I was in really excellent shape. I was crossfitting six days a week, and um, just felt like all things were right in the world. Like there was nothing going to stop me. Uh, And, um, it was that October that, uh, while I was in the shower that morning, I found a lump in my breast. And I got out and I, I told my husband, Ryan, I was like, Ryan, I found this. Uh, I just, I can't believe this, you know, I, I don't I don't know what to think. And he said, Babe, it's probably nothing. Kinda of had a cold, could be a swollen lymph node. Try not try not to let it shake you. And I was like, Yeah, you're right, you know, breast cancer is like an older person thing. And I mean, I'm in good shape and this this can't be it. So I went to work that morning and was teaching and just around lunchtime, I just couldn't shake this um this nudge that You better get this checked out. So uh, I called my doctor that that, um, day on my lunch break, and they said, yeah, you you need to come in. So I I, uh, left school that day and um, went into my doctor, and he said, you know, I know this has you concerned, but really I'm 99% sure this is nothing for you to be worried about. And I was like, well, those are pretty Doggone good odds. So I was feeling pretty good about it. I was like, okay. He said, if you're really concerned, I'll send you for a mammogram. And I was like, you know, I think we probably should just go for the mammogram just in case. So that next week, the mammogram came. Ryan was like, well, I probably should uh, go with you to that. And I was like, nah, 99% sure it's nothing. I got this. I'm going to roll in there, do the thing, come home. It's going to be fine. And so uh, I, I went that day. And um, I remember the tech uh, repositioning for the mammogram several times, and I remember looking at her face for any sign, like, what is she thinking? What is going on? And uh, when she kept changing, there's, like, paddles. Women probably know about this. Men, you don't. Um, There's these different paddle attachments, and and she kept, like, changing them, and that's when I was, like, this isn't looking good. So then they um, said, you're going to have to go to the waiting room. We're going to have to do a little bit more in-depth You know, I don't. I don't remember the word for it. Um, Ultrasound, and uh, so that's when I went to the waiting room. And I remember scanning the room, looking at all these other women in these pink robes, and thinking, Why does everyone look like they're scared that they're going to die? Like it was this weird fear in every single one of our eyes. And we would look at each other with this kind of camaraderie. Like we all knew what one another was going through. So I went in and um, was real kind of feisty with the doctor. I was like, so am I going to have to come back like every six months? I have two kids. I just really don't have time for all of this. Like am I going to have to have this monitored? And she was real frank with me. And she said, I'm certain that this is breast cancer we're dealing with. This is not going to be something that we're just monitoring. And so that's when uh, my journey in Egypt began.
2: Well, thank you for sharing that time in Egypt. I just want to say I'm sorry. Like I know that those stories are real, raw stories that have real emotions and have left real scars. And so on behalf of all of us, I think I want to say... I'm sorry that you guys had to experience those things. Um, But knowing you all and knowing your story, there was a time when God rescued you. And so tell me, Dennis, tell me about the time. uh, Tell me about how God rescued you from Egypt.
0: Okay. So where I left off was... I was away from home and I was drinking every night and um, missing a lot. I I, I realized now that I was missing a ton of stuff that was going on at home and, and pushing away a lot of people. And um, I got to a week where I kind of almost planned that, that I wasn't gonna make it through this week. Um, I was having severe depression and anxiety and uh, suicidal thoughts. I was working, like, 14 hours a day, um, and living, and then coming back to an empty hotel room, and I thought to myself, this could be, um, I I thought to myself, this could be, like, this could be the final, I mean, I, I, I almost planned it out, um, so, I had all these great people in my life really pushing me towards Jesus my whole life. And I never, I never really fully accepted Christ into my life, accepted Jesus into my life. Um, and after I made it through this week, I, I was at an all time low. Um, and I decided to really put more faith into Jesus. Like I said earlier, I had a real lack of hope, a real lack of hope that anything was going to get better. And I started coming to church, this church, to be specific. Um, and I started to really see, I, I, I started to really push myself into this relationship with, with Christ. Um, I had a lot of good people pushing me towards this relationship with God, but I, I finally received the message I should, to word it. I finally heard from God that Dennis, I want you and I'm going to put, you, I'm going to do great things in your life. And this is when your journey starts. And so I'm very much still a work in progress. I'm not perfect at all, but I have hope and that's the greatest thing and it's hope. It's not any hope, it's just hope through God. It's hope through Christ, it's being Christ-like. It's a new love, and, and that's, that's the best part.
3: I don't know how to follow that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Dennis,
2: I speak for a lot of people in this room and in this world that are happy that you made it through that week, and you made that decision to follow Jesus. Lynn, Lynn, tell me about how God rescued you.
3: Well, when I left off, we were in the ER. And eventually, we got a diagnosis of cancer, which is scary to begin with. But for a a brittle diabetic, a diagnosis of stage 4 pancreatic cancer is a death sentence. And I knew that this man that I had once loved, then hated and then forgiven had a very short time on earth, barring any miracles, and he needed Jesus and needed Jesus badly. And I didn't know how to lead him to Jesus because the Holy Spirit just wasn't there. So I had to find an old friend who we hadn't seen in 24 years who was a pastor, but who had been a dear friend of ours. And I didn't know how to find him. But a prophetic pastor friend of ours was here, leading some worship nights. And at one of those nights, after I had pleaded with God, lo and behold, he walked in the door. He ended up talking to Craig. Another pastor talked to him. A chaplain talked to him. And finally, the chaplain received a phone call out of the blue from another chaplain, and that's who Craig gave his life to. He found Jesus, and from that day forward, he read his Bible. He couldn't get enough of it. We prayed together. We talked about Jesus. And when he had his surgery, which was a tremendous surgery, they said they got it. And he was cancer-free. But if it came back, it would come back with a vengeance. So he started using his time wisely. He had the salvation. I didn't have my restoration. I had seen a glimpse of the Holy Spirit working, but not enough of him yet. But we started going to dinners together. We went to movies together, something we didn't do when we were married. Note to you husbands out there, date your wives. Treat her well. But then we got the bad news, the cancer was back. Well, he'd had, his re- he'd had his salvation, we were working on restoration, but things weren't good. He grew to the point where he was afraid to be alone. But I had issues because I'm a Christian woman, and I'm single, I'm unmarried. What do I do? He needs someone with him. But I'm single, I'm unmarried. I went to my pastors and I said, I am okay with helping him, but he's calling at 11 o'clock at night, he's calling at two in the morning, and I'm there till six in the morning. It Doesn't look right. But they knew my heart and they knew that it was okay thus began the journey of my talking to the Holy Spirit and asking for peace for Him, strength for me. And it came through that whenever anything was needed, when I was weak, I would get a text message from a pastor in Argentina going, you need this passage, it'll help you through the night. I I would get a EMail the next morning, or a text going, "I'm on my way with a cup of coffee. You need some strength and then there was a night when I went to get him a pizza and ice cream and I came in, and there was good china set and candles from a very unromantic man, <laughs> and I looked at him funny and he said. I want to know if you'll renew your vows to me. Now, we'd been divorced for 30 years. This was a strange request. (laughs) Kind of out of the blue. And I said, we've been divorced for 30 years. And he said, but I love you, and I want to make it right between us. So I got my restoration. Over the next six weeks I saw the Holy Spirit work in ways that to me were remarkable. Because people came from out of state to visit with him. Phone calls came at just the right moment. And I got to watch him pass in a way that I have never seen anyone pass before. And I walked out of Egypt. And he walked out of Egypt.
1: Yes. <laughs> Dalton. How much time you got? <laughs> <laughs> um Oh gosh. God is so good. Um so uh I started going to these 37 events. It's our men's group that we do. Uh, They're in Chris's basement. And we go through books. We go through uh, video series and whatnot. And um, there was this one book we were going through. Um, It was called Fight by Craig Rochelle, And um, I just remember going through this book and feeling super convicted and um, just like leaving almost every night and being like, well, this sucks. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, what do I do now? You know, I'm, I'm being convicted of uh, my addiction to pornography. And at this time, I'm married um, for about almost a year-ish. And um, it really started to to weigh on me. Um, this burden's just, like, dragging me down and further down. And um, I remember going home one night. Uh, I talked to a couple, a couple of the guys, and um, and told them what was up, and um, they didn't really give me the advice to to go to my wife, but they did, in a sense. You know, it, it was I don't know, but I went home one night um, feeling super convicted, and uh, I I sat Peyton down, my wife, and um, It was probably one of the hardest conversations that I had to have in my entire life because, uh, sorry, Uh, because I stood there one day and gave her these vows of uh, trust, um, faithfulness, and um, I had broken them and um, countless times so i sat her down and i i just kind of let everything out i let i let my the darkness come into the light um and thankfully she didn't rip my face off um <laughs> yeah and um she was understanding loving compassionate um everything that i did not think the conversation was going to go um but she She understood, she still loved me, Um, and I I felt like there was this huge burden that was just lifted off my shoulders. This, you know, 12 year, 13 years of addiction that I thought I dealt with, um, but I brought it to light, and that's when I really started dealing with it. Uh, After that, um, Peyton asked if I wanted to go to what was called an encouraging prayer. I thought it was a hoax. Um, at Northwoods Church, and I was like, "Yeah, no, nah, I'm not, not for me, bro. Like, not happening." Well, we went, um, and <laughs> and uh, we went there, and I was super skeptical. Just like, this is these people don't know me. And we got up there, they started praying. And I was like, "These people know me. <laughs> like, this is crazy, y'all." So we went to that, and I was super encouraged, and. Uh, feeling more and more like, finally, finally, God was coming to, by my side, and finally, God was showing up. Um, but then Peyton also encouraged me go to go to what was called uh, a healing prayer, and uh, this is where really, God really showed up and really worked in my life. And um, during the healing prayers, um, it. It's just getting that darkness, that that deep hurt and that darkness into the light, uh, just speaking it out, which has so much power, in just bring just the words flowing out of your mouth, if they flow at all, out of your mouth. There's so much power in that, and um, we. I went to that, um, and I, I don't even know how to describe it. It was um, it was life changing. Um, God started just speaking to me um, in ways that I had no clue that he could speak to me. The Holy Spirit started flowing through me, and I didn't know how to take that at first because I didn't grow up with the Holy Spirit like, hey, do this. And I'm like, no, I wasn't ready. Um, but but I went through that, and the the burden that I thought was lifted off my shoulder um finally was, like, gone. There was no weight on my shoulder. And um, on March 3rd of this year, 2020, um, I was completely freed from pornography. Yeah. And, <laughs> and people might not think, sorry, I'm, I'm going longer. But people may not think that pornography is a huge deal. Um, it is. It's, it ruins marriages. Uh, I've seen it in my, my family's lives. Um, it ruins families, uh, friendships. And to those that don't think that this is, it's a big deal, it's a lie from Satan that needs to be crushed. And the only person that can crush that is Jesus. So that is, I mean, this year is when Jesus really rescued me. Thanks, Dahl. Sarah, tell me about how
4: God
2: rescued you.
4: So so we received the diagnosis. It is, in fact, breast cancer. Um, Go home and tell Ryan uh, what we're dealing with. And um, it took me a couple days to feel ready to talk to our girls because um, I remember thinking, this is one of those big big chats in your life with your kids that you really can't blow. Um, So I really wanted to have my game face on and really just um, share with them that uh, I would have some sick days. And... uh, my appearance would be changing and that I would lose my hair and that it was going to be okay and that people might look at me a little bit different, but that too was okay that I could handle that. So after uh, I had the strength to share with them uh, the diagnosis and to assure them that we were all going to be okay, it was a couple of days later. I remember getting ready for work and coming out and um, Ryan's just always been my rock, and so I just went to him that morning just crying, and I just looked at him, and I said, what if I die? What if our girls don't get to grow up with their mom? What if I just miss so many things in their lives? Tell me, do you, do you think I'm going to die? Do you, do you think I'll make it through this? What's your heart telling you? And I remember him grabbing my shoulders and saying, Sarah, you're coming to the wrong person for these answers. I can't, I can't give you these answers. I can't tell you what you want me to tell you. I don't know. The only person that can really rescue you from all of this fear is the Lord. So I remember driving to work that morning And just fleshing it all out, just turn it over to the Lord. He's brought you to this. He'll bring you through this. And I just kept telling myself, he's going to make this your testimony one day. You have to believe that. So that day, it all changed for me. That day, it was like God gave me a magnifying glass, and I saw through a whole new lens, I really started to look at the way the sun set in the evenings and the way it rose in the mornings and had a true appreciation for the beauty surrounding me. I really started to enjoy taking my girls to dance lessons, um, where before I was like, here we go again, driving to dance, you know. And some of those, you know, we kind of get stuck in those um, routines of life and you just feel a little stuck. So um, I just remember having that appreciation or even like, I was so blessed that through chemo, I was still able to be, to be physical and active. And I would remember running in those January mornings and just the way the crispness would hit my lungs and just feeling so grateful for that air that would hit my lungs. It was just literally like a rebirth, like everything seemed so new and beautiful. And the Lord just really made it clear through chemo and surgery and all that, I just had this insatiable appetite to get to know people and to know their stories. And so I started volunteering at the Cancer Care Center where I had received um, my treatment and uh, would be kind of like a nurse assistant. Like I would get to sit alongside cancer patients and um, listen to their stories and uh, sometimes ease their fears, sometimes tell them about Jesus and the way he had um, come alongside me through my journey and just encourage them. So uh, ever since then, I just have, like, this desire to know people and to really know them and to know their stories. And sometimes that's a little too much for some people. They're like, I just met you. <laughs> um, but it's really um, how God brought me out of my Egypt was just uh, coming to know him in a, in a completely different level and just this new introduction to the world and to life and appreciation. Um, and, and then he started nudging my heart for a career change. So uh, it's, it's been a journey.
2: Thanks, Sarah. So one last question for each of you. Um, I wanna know about your life right now on this side of Egypt, on this side of the rescue. So tell me about that.
0: So for starters, um, I, I wasn't a very vulnerable person I never really, I could count the amount of people I've opened up to, truly opened up to on one hand. I, um, but now look where I'm at. And I, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking to everybody and I'm, I'm letting everybody know all of the demons, everything that was inside. And that is so much greater than me. I mean, that's, that's truly evident to me at the moment. And me and Ryan had a conversation about this how this was really the next step. Um I mean I've been with God for a year and then it's you know put pressure start start becoming better, you know. So um I've started a devotional. I I've, I've I'm in a a uh, band of of brothers of fellowship and we a band of brothers a fellowship and we hit a band of <laughs> Where, we can talk, where I can talk about God and I can truly, I mean, express gospel and bring it to other people. And I think, so I was learning this last year, and right now I'm here and I'm, I'm now presenting and, and bringing people. So I think that's the most powerful thing. And there's true strength in God and there's true hope. That's it. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Amen.
2: Lynn, tell me about this side of Egypt for you. <laughs>
3: Well, salvation and restoration is complete. And I'm learning to be bold. I'm part of the background. I don't like to be in the foreground. So this is very difficult for me. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. (laughs) I'm learning to walk forward, knowing that I am enough. And My best friend will tell you that I have a real struggle with being enough and knowing that, but I am enough. I'm in love with Jesus. It's hopeless. Sorry, it's a love affair that's never going to end. And I'm in love with the Holy Spirit, and I depend on him totally. I ask him what I need to do every morning, and when I open my Bible, I ask him what verse I'm supposed to look at in the morning and what it means to me, and where it's going to take me. I don't open any door that is closed to me, because I know that that door is closed for a reason. I'm a prayer warrior, and I pray at all times of the day. And there's times when, at 3 o'clock in the morning, I'll get a nudge, and I'll get told, start praying. Sometimes there's a name with it. Sometimes there's a reason. doesn't matter. I may pray for 20 minutes. I may pray for two hours. Sometimes I know why. Sometimes I don't. But I know that it's the Holy Spirit leading me. I work with with a prophetic minister. I run his prayer chain. I, I can't get enough of Jesus. I can't. Sometimes... It hurts because you see failures. I pray for the prodigals. I pray for the barren women. And I pray for marriages because I know how important marriage is. And I know that they can be saved. And I know that they need to be saved. I know it's a covenant and it has to be honored. And it's so important to me. And that's what I'm here for. And I can tell you the Holy Spirit is real. You need to listen to him. You need to obey what he says. And you need to listen for that still, small voice, because he won't lead you wrong. Right. And when you get out of Egypt, don't look back. Walk yeah.
2: forward.
1: Yeah. 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 Don't tell me about right now in your life. Right now. Um, Well, like I said before, God is good. Um, He had to put me through a lot of situations in my life um, to get out of Egypt. And um, those seasons of my life that I've walked through, though I might have thought they were um, dumb, um, at times I look back and I see that God is using those right now you know um he's got me up on a stage uh in, on not my place to be like you guys <laughs> said it's like i don't belong up here you know but god says differently and he says no nah, bro i got you, you belong up here yeah. you know you belong with the people in the church and um he prepared me all those years to walk out of egypt and um literally go on this extended stay in the desert for an extended time, and I, I can't even imagine if the Lord didn't intervene in my life and um, save me from my addiction, what I would have walked through for this extended period of time.
2: Because you're going... Overseas with the military, yes, for nine months or whatever. Yeah, yeah.
1: so it's this this time. It, it, God has just has worked and prepared me um, for this specific time, and I see that now. And it's and it's obvious to me now. Earlier, it wasn't. It's was like, well, see you later, bye. Um, what do you got for me now? Like, what are you doing in my life? And now I see, like, yo. I'm going to use you in a way you have no idea, which, you know, and you're going to impact people in ways that you won't hear, you won't see, and you won't know, but I'm going to work through you. And, um, and it's, it's, it's hard. It's like a, um, um, it's like a hard, a hard feeling to get through because it's like, all right, God, um, what you gonna do? <laughs> can you give me a little little glimpse into the you know this future of mine? Um, and he says no. Like this, it's my plan. I'm gonna use you. Um, just be ready for me. And all I can do is just say, All right, God, I'm ready. Um, open my heart, open my mind, open my spirit to what He's gonna do and how He's gonna do it. And He's gonna He's gonna use me in a very, very powerful way. And I'm just now realizing that, so.
2: Cool. Thank you, Dalton.
4: Can I say, too, that it's probably not coincidental that your uh, leaving got pushed back for, for, you know, for you to be given this opportunity to share yeah. your story. So I think that's really powerful. Um, So, like I said, I kind of had this nudge after uh, this beautiful disaster that we had kind of walked through. That's kind of what I coined this uh, journey that we went through. Um, So I had this nudge, like I love children so much, but I was always such a type A personality. I'd went to school to be a teacher, so I thought uh, teaching only happens in a classroom, in a school. but I just felt like I need to be out of a classroom. I need to be with people. I need to have conversation. I need to do something to facilitate time. Because during this journey, I've realized that time is the biggest gift. And so um, I kept thinking about, what is something that lends time? What is something that you do to get people encouraged to spend time together? And it just clicked for me that it was coffee. And um, people always say, you must really love coffee. And I'm like, I do really love coffee, but I really love people more. And I love getting to see people um, just come together, strangers, family, friends, come together and share a cup of coffee. Because it's really just like the vehicle to great conversation and time well spent together. So. I stepped away from my teaching position uh, about four years ago and started in this little camper that my husband and I bought for $300. <laughs> and the Lord has just um, led us in an incredible direction. And, in fact, we just don't even really feel like the coffee shop is really ours. It's just the Lord's. And, and we're just uh, on this awesome journey along with him um, being able to use it uh, to help people in the community and different churches and different organizations. Uh, So it's just like our ministry as a family, just to be able to give back. And um, I always say, I don't know how long we'll get to do this. I don't know how long he'll have this in our lives, but we're super grateful for it uh, right now. So uh, I would say if you ever find yourself um, in a disaster situation, um, really look to the Lord for that magnifying glass because he'll show you that there's such beauty in the situation that you're walking through. And once he gives that to you, you look at it through a whole new lens and you find all the glory that's around you. And um, you too can use your story as a testimony to glorify the Lord.
2: Thank you guys. Hey, give it up for these four one more time. You guys are dismissed. Thanks so much. And maybe give it up for Jesus who rescued each one of these four without him and his love and his grace. Those stories may still be in Egypt, but um, I'm going to invite the band back up. And as I close, I just want to remind you, I guess, that these stories are not possible without Jesus. the the hero of these stories are not the people who invested in their lives. It's not them for overcoming a hard situation. They deserve credit for that, but God came in and rescued them from Egypt, just like the Israelites. And I don't know where you are at in this journey of life. I don't know if you're in Egypt right now. I don't know if a cancer diagnosis, or a fractured marriage, or um, addiction, or drinking and partying. I I have no idea. It could be one of a hundred different things. But if you are in some sort of Egypt, know that God is a rescuer. Know that he will come in the second you call his name. When Peter is walking on the water and he starts to sink, he, he cries out for Jesus. And it says immediately, Jesus reached down And pulled him up out of the water. And I just would encourage you to to look to God in this time. Uh, Whether you're in Egypt, whether you've come through Egypt, wherever you're at, look to God. Thank God for what he will do or can do or has done in your life. Um, Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being our rescuer. Thank you for the stories that we heard today, Um, for each one of them, for each and every story in this room. God, you have taken us off a path that led to destruction, and you put us on a path that leads to hope, like Dennis said. Um, And God, I pray that when we sin, when we are in bondage, when we're in Egypt, we respond well. And I pray that you would remind us, God, to run to you. We don't have to pretend like we didn't sin. We don't have to panic or to hide. We can run straight to you, God, and you will rescue us from Egypt. You will rescue us from the bondage of sin, from the bondage of um, hate or a fractured marriage or a cancer diagnosis, and whatever that looks like, God, Um, it will end in hope because of you, Uh, Allow us to walk in your grace and in your love, and when life seems chaotic, um, it, it's not chaotic to you. You are in complete control. When it seems like we are in Egypt, there, there's one word, one name away. We're one word, one name away from um, rescue, and help us to remember that, God. Uh, we love you, Jesus. We need you desperately. We ask that you would come into our lives, and you would rescue us. You are able, um, when we are weak, you are strong, you are our rescuer, and we need you desperately. I pray that you would draw us near to you, God. We love you, and we trust you, and we pray this in your name. Amen.